What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of FedWatch. My name is Ansel Linder, and I'm here with my co-host, CK. How are you doing, CK? I'm doing well, man. Really excited to be seeing you in a little bit more than two weeks in person. I don't know how much y'all know this, but Ansel and I, we spent a lot of time together virtually, but we have spent very, very little time with each other in person. It's really been two high buys, and that's it. I've seen him at Bitcoin 2021, gave him a hug, said, see you later. And then at Bitcoin 22, I met him and his wife in line, checked them in. And then they went to the conference and I and I stayed outside working. So we are going to be hanging out in Nashville at Bitcoin Day Nashville. That is going to be September 10th. And man, they have a stellar lineup. I'm going to be emceeing. Ansel has a great talk set up. Maybe we can finagle ourselves doing like a live Fed watch or something like that uh, at yeah, the event. I don't know if there's any flexibility to, to make something like that happen. But uh, y'all, if you are in the area, Bitcoin Day on September 10th in Nashville, you're not going to want to miss it. And the following week, there's a whole bunch of Bitcoin stuff happening in Nashville at Bitcoin Park. Bitcoin Magazine's having a meetup. There's a lot going down. So Ansel, I mean, I know you got a lot planned for a Bitcoin Day, but... I'm just really happy to to hang out with you and, and get to kick it in Nashville. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to cheers in with you and just celebrating Bitcoin. Even though we're in a bear market, we're it'll just be great to hang out with you, meet people in Nashville, meet people from the Bitcoin magazine team, you know, that I've wanted to meet for for so long. So yeah, it should be great. I'm driving up there in my old beater civic. So I am a true Bitcoin because my car is over 10 years old <laughs> and I'll be Let's driving go. up there saving money on the, the airfare and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hang out, man. Let's do it, dude. I'm excited again. It's going to be a blast. Just like, you know, looking at the lineup, you know, you got Robert Breedlove, you got Dylan LeClaire, yep. you got Ansel, you got Kent. I will be emceeing, hopefully maybe finagling a, a live FedWatch episode. You got Zach Vol. So many great speakers that are going to be there. I love bear market conferences and guys like there's going to be, you know, Bic- the Bitcoin conference, there's like 25,000 people. And, you know, you want a chance to meet Robert Breedlove or Dylan LeClaire, hang out with Ansel, like fat chance, no chance come to Bitcoin day. Like, you know, we're going to be what, like 0.5% of the entire attendance, right? Like, so you're going to be able to spend some quality time with a lot of really quality Bitcoiners. So I cannot encourage y'all enough on that. It's going to be a real blast. Yeah, uh, I also have a ten percent off. Yeah, go for it. Oh, go no, plug the ten percent off coupon. Go for it. Yeah, so I I got BTC Mag ten, BTC Mag ten. That's gonna get you ten percent off. Tickets are very affordable. Again, a lot of Bitcoiners are gonna be in Nashville, so gotta hit it. Ansel, go for it. Yeah, I was just gonna say I've been to one other Bitcoin day, and it was the Kansas City one, and there was about two hundred people there. And, you know, we, uh, there was a, an open bar next to it. So uh, a lot of the speakers just went and sat at the bar and met a lot of the people. It's almost like one of these exclusive type of whale passes, maybe that you might get at other conferences. The, this is the, a conference that's very close, small, cozy, and you can meet a lot of people. So check out bitcoinday.io and use that promo code that Christian just said. All right. What else do we have to talk about up front? Any other admin notes? This is our new day. Wednesday. Oh yeah. This is a Wednesday to, stream. Yeah. Due to a uh, scheduling conflict on my part, I won't be able to do Tuesdays anymore. So we're running on Wednesday. So update your calendars. 
I've already told all the people in my Telegram chat, my Discord to to join us here at this time. So hopefully the word gets spread. A lot of people are liking the FedWatch live stream. So yeah, I hope to pump the numbers on these on Rumble specifically. Pump the live numbers on Rumble. Get us in there up like 500 concurrent viewers. That would be pretty awesome. And what else do I have to pump on my admin notes? Oh, my newsletter. Just sign up bitcoinandmarkets.com. Sign up for my free newsletter. Such a good newsletter. Sign up for the Telegram group. I've recently been enjoying the Telegram group and it's just like, you get notifications with good Fed information. I, I honestly feel never like I've never been as informed as I am now. And definitely the Bitcoin markets telegram group. Someone said, are y'all bad mouthing the Bitcoin conference, Bitcoin 22, Bitcoin 23? Hell no. no. Best no. conference. You should definitely go to that. Go to Bitcoin Amsterdam. That's October 12th through the 14th in Amsterdam. That is going to be absolutely amazing. It's the biggest event on this side of the year, right? So Bitcoin 2022 is the biggest event of the year. Next is Bitcoin Amsterdam in terms of Bitcoin. So you got to go to the Bitcoin conferences. But Bitcoin Day is a local event, much smaller. But you can hang out with me and Ansel because we're just going to be there. Like, I'm telling you, venue is is much more manageable. It's a couple of rooms. It's like a a giant, well-organized meetup versus like a big industry event like the Bitcoin conference. Right. Yeah, it's completely different events. The man in Miami... I was just in awe. Like the first year I, I went down there in 2021 when it was in, what was that neighborhood called? Like Winwood, Houston. Oh, sorry, Winwood. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Winwood, Winwood. Yeah, it was in Winwood. And I was just like, oh man, you know, Bitcoin has arrived because it's like 10,000 people. And then the next year, holy crap, it's 25,000 people. And it's it's just like a huge, just a wow thing that that you need to go to. If there's one conference, obviously to go to, it's the 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 Bitcoin conference. But the Bitcoin day. Yeah. It's just a real big meetup and it's made to be local. So Nashville has one that, like I talked about Kansas city, you've been to the Sacramento one. It's kind of like a traveling meetup, really cool idea, but all right, we, we pumped Bitcoin day. I think people are going to sign up now. So what should we, should we get into today's topics? Oh, magazine dope. Before I'm, I'm just going to, I'm sorry, guys. I just, this is a show fest, but <laughs> y'all, the next issue of the Bitcoin magazine might be better than this one so they really hit it out of the park and it's coming out soon so you can get a subscription the cheapest way to get a subscription and get the censorship uh resistant issue is to get the subscription right now so that way you get this one delivered to you immediately and then when the new one comes out next month you get that one very quickly and at the lowest price automatically so get the new bitcoin magazine get a subscription, check out our store. I'm rocking some some new Bitcoin magazine swag. So uh, some bear market swag. But yeah, let's get into the show. Enough shilling from, but a lot of good stuff is happening, y'all. So don't miss out on it all. Yeah, this is the best bear market. It's It's been hard that it's been so long, but like there's the most biggest community now and lots of stuff happening. So it, it's easy to make it through this bear market. All right, for today's uh Topics. I have Bitcoin and currency update. We're going to do a quick Pakistan update because we talked about that last week and a few things have happened. We're going to go over Jackson Hole, like a preview, a Fed preview of coming up in the next few weeks for the Fed, and then wrap it up with ECB, their latest uh, academic paper uh, or report on CBDCs. And we're going to go through a few quotes from that. So let's jump right into the Bitcoin currency update. And that will be Slide number uno, numero uno. So here we go. Is 
Guys, it broke down. We've been talking about this channel for a while. It broke down. Then I put this, this diagonal black line on here. This was my last line of, line of hopium for my Telegram group. I was like, you know, this is our last line. If this breaks, we're going to 19,000. And it, it did hold. It's even updated after I took this snapshot. It's a little bit higher even now. I think it's about 21,700 as we're recording. The yellow line at the top is the 200-day moving average. And the blue line is the 50-day moving average. The horizontal lines are where the kind of resist the volume resistance is above us. So I think it's interesting that the 200-day is kind of coming down to have a confluence with the volume resistance. And if the price does go up from here, that would be a likely next target zone for the price around 29,000. If 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 it drops. Who knows? But I, I do think that there's not as much, there's just not as much follow through from the bears at this moment. Price could have fallen a lot more over the last few days and it, it has been held up. So that's what I have for the Bitcoin price. Any comments, Christian? Yeah, I mean, we just got to keep watching the chart and try to, I would say, keep DCAing, never sell, obviously, if you are not living on Bitcoin and try to use this information to make smart decisions. You know, a lot of this stuff, you can kind of see it playing out. We saw the channel forming. You can kind of see Bitcoin's price squeezing. And we said, it, if it goes up, it's, you know, there's not a lot of resistance from here. And if it goes, if it breaks out, there, there's a decent amount, it could drop off. So we saw it breaking down and there's the drop off. So is this a buying opportunity? Do you wait and see if we hold this next line? I mean, ultimately, that's why I like the combination of DCA plus, you know, trying to take advantage of these opportunities. But ultimately, it's all about zooming out. This is just for trying to give you some some context about the price right now, maybe what to expect. You know, if you don't feel numb to this thing, you're not bullish enough, obviously. So just keep stacking. But if you want to be strategic, you want to plan some big buys. You know, you can you can make some s more educated decisions, you know, when you're kind of looking at these charts. Yeah. And we're all I mean, we're all here. Not I mean, if Bitcoin went down, the, the community would shrink. Right. We want Bitcoin to grow in adoption. And for that to happen, we want the price to go up. So we are all here for price to go up ultimately. Right. And so that it's important to take a look at the charts and see, you know, where we are in the cycle. But in the next chart I have, there is, this is the S&P 500. And it is, I mean, this this is a, I think, okay, a perfect chart to show what, what TA can do. Because look at that, it, it hit the 200-day moving average on the nose. And then it, it turned over. Because these levels, right, are self-fulfilling prophecies. They're shelling points for people to put bids and asks around. And so, they actually do affect the price and how the price is going to move. But now we're kind of coming back down. This is the biggest bear market rally, quote unquote bear market rally that the stock market has had. It's never gone over 50% and gone to new lows. So that red line, that little red line is the 50% from you know top to bottom, 50% retracement. And I don't think it's going to new lows. So I put this little gray area in here to show some uh, like volume support. And if it goes up from here, that, that's what I'm expecting. Higher highs for the stock market and not higher highs from all-time high, but Bitcoin to follow the stock market up for the rest of the year. So that's what I have to say about the stock market and the correlation there. What do we have next? Next is the dollar. So we're into our macro charts. We're into our currency charts. And this one, if you go to the next slide, Chris, 
So this one is the DXY, which is heavily weighted against the Euro and the, the broad trade weighted dollar. And as you can see over the last couple of years, the, the, the Euro heavy DXY has gone up much more relative to the more broad weighted trade weighted dollar. If you go to the next, next slide, this is the breakdown of, oh, go back up one slide number four, please. That is the composition of these. So the DXY you can see is pretty much 60% Euro where the broad trade weighted dollar is only 19% Euro. And there's a lot of other currencies in there. This is re like reevaluated every couple of years. This was the latest as of December, 2019. So it might have even been updated since, but this is the U S dollar weighted by how much we trade with these other economies. If you go to the next slide, that is zoomed out the DXY versus the trade weighted dollar. Now I am a, I've been a strong dollar advocate as you guys all know for the longest time. But right now I think there is a little bit of overemphasis on the strength of the DXY. Because if you look at the trade weighted dollar, it hasn't even broken the Corona highs, the Corona crash highs, but the DXY is going through the roof. So really this is just an evaluation of the Euro. The DXY is an evaluation of the Euro, not an evaluation on the dollar. And we all know why the Euro is struggling. Next slide is talking some more about currencies here. The next one up is the Chinese Yuan. And it recently broke up on some resistance going towards this kind of all important 7.0. For many years, 7.0 was seen as like the almost an unofficial peg for you know top of the range that the CCP would let the yuan devalue to. And we're approaching that again. Of course, we've reported here on FedWatch uh, a lot about what's going on in China. And we I've been waiting for this currency to follow what's happening to the euro and the yen. So next slide is the Hong Kong dollar. So this is very much associated with the Chinese yuan, right? Because they took over Hong Kong here in the last couple of years. And as you can see, the um, last week it dropped from the top of this peg. And so some of the, in the currency markets, I felt that there was less pressure on the dollar. The dollar shortage was less acute, but it's starting to creep back up towards the top of this peg. So this tells me that the currency pressure is increasing in the financial system. Next slide. Finally, no, this is the yen. Next is gonna be the Euro. So the yen here, again, another example of TA where resistance turns support and it's going back up to highs currently at 136 yen per dollar. I don't expect this to fall off as much as I do the euro, which we'll look at next, but I do expect some weakness to continue in the yen, especially if the Hong Kong dollar is going up and the yuan is going up. I do expect the, the yen to have that pressure as well. Next slide is the euro. And look how devastating this looks. This just looks horrible, man. Almost like a parabolic downward curve, right? So I do think that this could, we could see a wick down to maybe 95 or 90, something like that euro versus the dollar in the short term. I'm talking like in the next few weeks, we could see something like that. Overall, I don't think that this is the crash that destroys the euro. I think we have, it will, it will somewhat consolidate, somewhat recover, maybe have, you know, a long-term range around par, but eventually this isn't ever going to recover to 120 again. The Euro is in its terminal phase. 
Let's see. Next one. Stop. Uh, do you wow. have any comments on that there, Chris? Well, I was going to say, that strong, strong prediction. The, the Euro will never recover back to these to those levels. I remember when the Euro was like 1, 1, 1. 1.5, 1.4. So, I mean, never recover back to 1, 1. 1.2. You know, very strong statement. Well, I mean, look what they're doing. Who knows if the, the Euro is even going to survive the next few years. They're, I, I've, I've seen calls about, oh, look at Europe. They're go, they might, the, the odds of recession are going up. And I'm like, are you serious? Like the odds of depression are going up. They are definitely in a recession right now. And they're, it's definitely going. And so eventually there is going to be a crack. One thing I'm watching in Europe is the Italian elections coming up next month that could be a huge huge shift in like a, a european a, a eu skeptic party coming to power in one of the major economies in europe so i don't know the days of the euro are numbered and i think the end of the euro will come before it hits 102 or 1.2 again all right well we gotta keep writing down these these bold predictions from ansel but he's <laughs> he's not he's no stranger for bold predictions oh yeah and I, th I think I'm about 50% correct on, on a lot of my bull predictions. So, all right. Next slide up is what do we got? The, this is the nat natural gas over there in Europe. And I kind of expected this to not go this high again, because I, th I thought the high was in on this because I thought the end of the war would be sooner rather than later. It does seem like it's it's just going to grind on and on at least until the winter so we'll see but yeah the european natural gas futures are once again going through the roof next slide comparing that to the u.s natural gas futures this is much more zoomed out than that last chart so that's at all-time highs obviously in in europe but here in the u.s we are not at all-time highs yet kind of high i mean it's high relative to where we've been in the last decade but you know back in the, the 2005 through 2008 we got much higher on the natural gas of course we are exporting a lot to europe right now the freeport plant that is a freeport refinery for natural gas whatever it's called uh, that has been delayed that there was you know the explosion like last month it was uh, scheduled to reopen this week, but now that has been delayed another week. So we'll see when that reopens, uh, what happens to the price natural gas futures in the United States. What else do we have? A couple more here. No, last one. This is the last one. And this is the Euro USD versus crude. So I have also been kind of bearish on oil here. I don't, I think the global recession will shrink demand. And there is no like future of $300 a barrel oil like you hear out there a lot of times from these alarmists. But uh, also, I've been it's hearing highly... a lot of $300. I've been hearing a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there, it's highly correlated with the, the euro here. So, as you can see, and the, the euro is falling. So, you know, the European economy is not going to be demanding nearly as much oil, and the price of oil will continue downward so that's all i have for these macro update charts christian any comments hey guys this is q from bitcoin magazine live this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor bitmex bitmex is one of the biggest supporters of the bitcoin space in the last decade actively donating to developers and putting out some of the most cited research articles 
What you might not know is that BitMEX recently launched a brand new spot exchange and mobile app that takes the experience of buying and holding to the next level. We know that, especially in uncertain market conditions, you need an exchange that is trustworthy and innovative. Sign up at BitMEX.com today, check out the BitMEX blog for some great market insights, and stay tuned to our podcast for more from their team. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our proof-of-workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. It's really interesting tracking the the price of oil these days. I mean, it seems like, you know, the world is definitely in an energy crunch and energy is getting expensive and whole lines of businesses, potentially even whole economies are becoming, you know, no longer economically viable just because of the input costs of energy and those variables on a geographic basis. So it's really fascinating watching them. It's fascinating seeing demand and production destruction in Europe. And I mean, it's going to be like, you know, I feel, I feel like nothing is in stone. No one really knows how it's going to play out. There's just so many crazy random outputs that are all intertwined and we just can't see them in our analysis. So the best we can do is just continue to follow. In terms of macro, I don't have much anything interesting to say about any of the the currencies. It is really interesting to see the dollar continue to scream upwards. You know, we we've talked about why that means pain for a lot of people. And is, as long as it keeps doing that, it means pain for more people. And the sad reality is, is that the dollar screaming upwards hurts everyone who's not holding dollars, but is holding dollar liabilities. And then on the flip side, it's not like Americans get the wealth effect, like supply chains are being destroyed, like our ability to purchase things with the dollar is going down because the whole world's ability to just make and ship things is going down. So we're, we're in a tough situation right now. And, you know, there's kind of pain for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a hard nut to untangle and to see what's really happening in the world. There was a comment here that they somebody saw a interesting article today on Zero Hedge about food prices skyrocketing after the U.S. elections. I think there there might be something to that, but overall the the wheat exports out of Russia have been continuing. There are some worries about fertilizer 
like I saw the, the largest chemical plant in Poland uh, stopped producing nitrogen fertilizer. So there could be some shortages on that, but it, it would probably come next spring, not necessarily this fall, because, you know, obviously the planting season is over for, for this year. But yeah, good question. Okay, next stuff up. What else do we have here? Well, that's all I had for the macro charts. Let's go into Jackson Hole. So actually, no, let's do a quick Pakistan update first. So I'm just going to read off one of these articles that I pulled up. This one is from Al Jazeera. And we, we did report on Pakistan last week. And this collapse in Pakistan is starting to look a little bit like Sri Lanka, where the, the economy, it took a couple months, but the economy eventually fell with massive riots and storming of their their capital building or whatever. So it looks like this could be building up in Pakistan as well. And I'll just read this update. So former Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan charged under anti-terror law. The Pakistani police have charged Imran Khan under anti-terror law, authorities said Monday, days after the former prime minister attacked the police and a judicial officer at a huge rally in the capital, Islamabad, and attacked, okay, in, in scare quotes. The police case comes a day after the country's top media regulator body, regulatory body, imposed a ban on Khan's speech for spreading hate speech against state institutions and officers, escalating political tensions in the country. He has been holding mass rallies across the country seeking to return to office since he was removed from power in April in a no-confidence motion. The cricketer-turned-politician alleged has alleged his removal was a result of a foreign conspiracy. In his speech on Sunday, Khan promised to sue police officers and a female judge as he alleged that a close aide had been tortured after his arrest. He doubled down on his criticism of state institutions at another rally on Sunday, saying the police acted under pressure from, quote unquote, neutrals, a common use euphemism for Pakistan's military establishment. Quote, are neutrals really neutral? He asked. Khan could face several years in prison for the new charges, which accuse him of threatening police officers and the judge. However, he has not been arrested on other lesser charges against him during his recent campaigning against the government. Khan has been granted protective bail until Thursday, that's tomorrow, when he is likely to appear before an anti-terrorism court in the capital, Islamabad. The report against Khan includes testimony from Judge Ali Javed, who described being at the Islamabad rally and hearing Khan criticize the inspector general of Pakistan's police and another judge. Khan reportedly said, you also get ready for it. You will also, we will also take action against you. All of you must be ashamed. That's, that's really bad guys. <laughs> he said some really bad stuff there. That's terrorism. Anyway, Khan's PTI party posted videos online showing supporters surrounding him or sorry, surrounding his home, apparently to stop police from reaching it. Hundreds remained there early on Monday. If, quote, if Imran Khan is arrested, we will take over Islamabad with people power, a foreign minister in his cabinet, Ali Amin Jandapur, threatened on Twitter as some party leaders urged supporters to prepare for mass mobilization. 
Al Jazeera's Kamal Haider, reporting from Islamabad, said the return of street violence was a strong possibility. If Imran Khan gives the call to his supporters to come out in large numbers, there is fear that they, the government, will clamp down hard, which will definitely evoke a reaction from the people, Haider said. People across the country are angry. Khan came to power in 2018, promising to break the pattern of family rule in Pakistan. His opponents contend he was elected with help from the powerful military, which has ruled the country for half of its 75-year history. The former prime minister has alleged he was deposed by a U.S.-led plot, dubbing the succeeding government led by Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif as an imported government. He has not provided proof in support of his allegations. The people of Pakistan want a fresh election. They do not recognize this 13-party coalition, which has been unable to deliver. Inflation is at an all-time high. Prices of fuel and electricity have also shot up. There is a lot of unease. Police arrested Khan's political aide, Shabazz Gill, earlier this month after he appeared on the private television channel ARY-TV and urged soldiers and officers to refuse to obey illegal orders from the military leadership. Gill was charged with treason, which is under Pakistani law, carries the death penalty. ARY also remains off air in Pakistan following the broadcast. Khan accused police of abusing Gill in custody. Police say Gill suffers from asthma and has not been abused in detention. All right. That is the update from Pakistan. As you can see, there's threats of mass protests, mass riots. In support of Imran Khan, it does look from what I've read elsewhere that he has a lot of support from the people. And if there was an election held today, he most likely would be reelected. So this vote of no confidence was held by the elites and I believe possibly uh, influenced by the U.S. So, Christian, that is the update on Pakistan. Any thoughts? I mean, I 100 percent have no expert opinion to add to this but as i typically do you know zooming out not surprised that there is more fallout a lot of these small economies are under enormous enormous stress supply chains are breaking down their currencies are breaking down their debt is screaming upwards in terms of the 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 burden denominated in their fiat currencies. So a lot of, I think we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more Sri Lankas. We're going to see more Pakistans. It's going to continue. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, as, as these dominoes fall, you know, I, I'm watching closely for where the next one is and we will be reporting it here on FedWatch for sure. So, okay. The next topic is Fed at Jackson Hole. So let me bring this up. I just wanted to talk real quick about what Jackson Hole is. It is put on by the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City, and it's their economic policy symposium. It's put on every year for, I think, a week in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. For those that are unaware, the Federal Reserve is made up of 12 member banks, the most important really being the New York Fed, because that's where all the open market operations happen. But there are 12. And... Of course, those 12 banks are owned by Wall Street that also resides in New York. So when we talked about Jamie Dimon last week, you know, being, being the CEO of JP Morgan, 
you know, he's probably at this symposium, but he, he's one of the, the big important people in the Federal Reserve System, even though he is CEO of just a private bank. So some more of the history of Jackson Hole. It started in 1978 and it was first put on and in Kansas City. And then it moved a couple years to Vail and Denver. And then in 1982 is when it ended up in Jackson Hole. So that is, it's been there ever since. Let's see, what else do I have on my notes? Where are my notes go? God damn. Okay, so what do we expect from a speech from Powell? So this is what I have here from a Reuters story or Reuters article. Investors see no Fed pivot. Brace for hawkish Powell message at Jackson Hole. Investors are brace, bracing for the Federal Reserve to double down on its commitment to crushing inflation and expect its chair, Jerome Powell, at the annual central bank gathering in Wyoming this week to deliver an aggressive tightening message and dash hopes for a rate cut next year. The Jackson Hole Wyoming retreat comes after investors last week viewed the transcripts of the Fed's July meeting as leaning dovish and as a green light to put some risk back on the table. The stock market initially held up and bond yields were steady before markets reconsidered that interpretation. But So just starting my analysis here is I think it's funny how they put everything in light of what the Fed does, okay? Oh my gosh, the Fed released their minutes. Well, what did the market do? Oh, the market reacted like this. But really the market's just going about its business. It's not really affected at all by what the, the Fed is doing or what the the july meeting minutes say even though they were slightly dovish but they weren't really I'll, I'll tell you in a second what it said powell's friday morning speech could cement the market tone until the next federal open market committee meeting next month if powell says something hawkish and you buy equities or emerging market currencies you'll lose three percent before you can blink an eye nobody is buying risk right now in a run-up to Jackson Hole, said Stephen Anglener. He's the head of global G10FX research. So the Fed in the July meeting minutes said it saw little evidence that inflation pressures have eased, but recognized the risk it might tighten too much and curb economic activity. So I want to point out that this is just a wishy-washy back and forth thing. It doesn't say anything about you know, it's not dovish or hawkish. It's kind of like we have no idea what we're doing. And this is the same idea we got from Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, which is one of the owning banks of the Fed, most likely. So they don't know what's what's happening. So that's that's all I have for this Jackson Hole. That's what we're kind of expecting. Comments, Christian? When is the retreat again? It's happening right now. And then Powell has his speech on Friday. I mean, we'll be watching. I'm excited to report on it next week. I know the wait from Friday all the way to next Wednesday is it, it always seems like it, it holds us back, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how things kind of like play out. Ultimately, we're trying to get away from this paradigm where everyone is listening to and putting everything into the context of the Fed and people are just focusing yeah. on markets and and trade and having a stable substrate this is like what bitcoin is disrupting is like this monetary uncertainty around what's happening with your value transfer substrate and removing this you know these central points of failure 
it's about disrupting that and creating something that anyone can validate and is sound and steady. So that's the end goal. But until we've transitioned, until people stop reacting to this type of, you know, expectation Mm -hmm. management, it's going to keep, you know, enforcing itself effectively. So that's what we're watching. Yeah, but like long end rates don't care all that much because the 10 year, if you look today, even after a monster day today on a 10 year yield, uh, it's still the same place it was back in May. So like the 10 year doesn't care. The long end doesn't care. It's it's the what's who's in charge is is the bond yields and they'll tell the Fed what to do. I There was an interesting quote here that I, I read out. If Powell says something hawkish, you'll lose 3% before you can blink an eye says see that is their monetary policy tool powell talking if he says something hoggish the markets will move it's not mechanical that I, I think everybody knows that deep down they just don't want to admit it right but anyway so let's see yeah. what else do we have go ahead i mean that's that's been your unpopular opinion right is that the fed doesn't <laughs> matter they have no tools and it's it's almost like it it is known but no one like is willing to just admit it straight out. It's just kind of assumed in the way that they talk about it, right? Is like based on what they say, this is how the market will respond. It's it's almost like assuming that them speaking it is the actual action in which yeah. you know will will then, you know, implement it into the economy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, everyone knows deep down that is the truth. It's just a matter of breaking the programming and breaking through the mythology of the Fed. All right. So the next thing I have, I just want to talk a little bit about CPI. I saw a tweet. So I looked this up. The, The Cleveland Fed, they do a inflation now indicator. We've talked about this inflation now indicator before. It's similar to the GDP now indicator that the Atlanta Fed runs. But let me pull up here it's saying it's been updated and it's saying that the august expectation for cpi this is month over month is 0.09 and it keeps falling i think it fell from like 0.15 now down to 0.09 and we could see another month over month of zero percent on the cpi so i think that's very important to consider when you're thinking about powell when you're thinking about what he's going to do you know because he said said that he's going to be hawkish until CPI looks like it has, it has turned around and two zero prints in a row month on month is a pretty good signal to me that they could be ready to pivot. So I wanted to bring that up. Also looking forward, September, go ahead. Wait, you're, you're still feeling pretty committed on, on the idea that there's going to be a pivot. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and, and not because of the best laid plans of the Fed, but because the market is going to force them. Just look at what's happening around the world. They're, they're already getting a lot of pressure. I'm sure the other central banks are calling them up and saying, come on, Powell, you need to get throw us a bone here and at least pause your rate hikes. I mean, I'm sure he's getting pressure from everywhere, especially the ECB. Can you imagine those conversations between Powell and Lagarde? She's begging him to stop. And he's probably just like, sorry, we're going to raise rates until our inflation comes down. So I don't know. It's they're they're going to be forced eventually to pivot. It's not going to be like they always we've said this for years in the sound money space that the Fed 
is always behind the curve. They always follow what the market does. And so if, if we're going into recession, the Fed will pivot. There, there's, I, I don't see any other choice for them. Now, how high do they get before that? Right now, the 10-year is sitting at 1 point, or sorry, 3.1. And they want to raise 50, uh, if they raise 50 basis points in September, the top limit will be 3%. And the 10-year is at 3.1%. I mean, that's, they're pretty much raising so that the 10-year is within their range. Can you imagine how flat and how inverted the curves will be then? So I, I think it's getting to crunch time. Will they raise in September? Probably. Will it be 75% basis points? Probably not. I think 50 is going to be the top there. And speaking of the September meeting, that it is on the 20, 20th and the 21st of September. So it's still, what, five? Oh, no four weeks away and lots can happen before then the CPI comes out the, this, the July PCE comes out, which I think will be a surprise to the downside since CPI was zero. I think the PCE will also be very, very low surprise to the downside. I saw Kent who writes at TCM.co with me. We have a little blog there. Um, he did some research and he said that this, this last month on month change, so from June to July, month-on-month -month CPI was the largest single-month drop since World War II. That's pretty significant, and I think that the Fed is going to be looking at that. They're also going to be looking at expectations. Well, they get, they'll get the August reading before they come out with their decision in September, which if it's zero or negative, yeah, I think they're going to get what they need, and they might even not raise. They might raise 25 basis points or, or something like that. Do I sound crazy, Christian? I mean, it's interesting to hear the, the official commentary and, you know, the spooking in the market and then, you know, you're unwavered, right? So it'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to time check this. Like I said, we need to be writing down Ansel's predictions, bold or not so bold. I don't know. Like a lot of people two weeks ago, everyone was saying pivots coming, pivots coming. So it's funny how flippant people can be with their opinions. Well, remember I said when we talked about the Hong Kong dollar last and it was dropping and I said, there is a lot of pressure. You know, the pressure is not building up right now. It's, it's kind of easing in, in the currency markets. And, and of course, then people start saying they, they, they're behind. They're always a couple weeks or a couple months behind. And now they're going to be into this where they're not going to pivot. And now they're going to be back where it's going to pivot again. So I think you had to look at the numbers, look at the different things in the market and remember that the Fed, they're just going to follow what the market tells them to do. So anyway, the, we're getting close on time. It's, we got 15 minutes left. Can let's hit up the ECB and the CBDC stuff. Let's do it. What do you think of that? All right. So let's pull up slide number 13, please, Chris. All right, so this was a story in Zero Hedge, and I'll, I'll read it out here for the people on audio, the audio version of this. So the ECB says, cash not fit for digital economy dismisses CBDC privacy concerns. So in the digital economy, cash is no longer a useful tool, and a central bank digital currency is, quote, on, is the only solution, end quote, to continue the existing monetary system according to a new paper from the ECB. Researchers concluded that the CBDC, like a digital euro, could be 
the only solution to facilitate a smooth continuation of the present monetary system. Despite widespread concerns that CBDCs would limit the credit supply and function as a disruptive force in the financial markets, the paper rejected these concerns as unfounded. And I just, I didn't read all of it. It's a 20 page report, but I read a lot of it and yeah, they just dismiss it. Oh, those concerns, they're not valid. You know, they don't dive in and give you any argumentation about why these concerns are wrong. They just totally dismiss them. So um, continuing, digital money is critical in a digital economy, the ECB noted. Since cash is losing its appeal as efficient means of payment, a CBDC is a necessary tool to install. Although the ref, the research identified drawbacks of instituting a uniform digital monetary system, such as the sluggish pace of settlements, market developments, and adoption. The paper noted that a digital update of cash is crucial to advancing the two-layer system of public and private money. Blah, 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 blah. At the end, there is the important part. They're talking about two-layer system of public and private money. And throughout this report, what they're saying is the, the public layer is cash cash bills, cash coins, that is the public system because that's a direct liability of the central bank. And private money is what we talk about, the euro dollar system, the commercial banks printing money. That's where money printing comes from, from private money. This They call this a two-layer system and they want the CBDC to take place of the public side, the cash, the coins and the notes. So Continuing, ultimately, cash possesses large economic costs without clear benefits. So it is by, so it is by construction not fit for the digital age. Digital money might generate privacy concerns, authors warned. However, researchers say that there is a privacy paradox. Consumers will emphasize an importance to privacy in surveys, but they will give away their personal data for free or in exchange for small rewards. So that was the what the Zero Hedge article had to say, but I dove into the actual report. And so that's where we're going to go next. Just stop. What, what do you think about the intro there, Christian? I think we should just keep going, and then I'm going to save my rant for the end. But we've talked about CBDCs many times. So there's a comment in on YouTube saying that ECB is going to be early with the shitcoinery. It's going to be part of their downfall. I, I tend to think that that is probably accurate. But yeah, I'm going to let's go back to you. Yeah. OK, I agree with that comment as well. So going on here, we have this is quotes from the report itself. DLT. Remember that term, Christian distributed ledger technology? It's still around somehow. The ECB is still using it. You know, they're, they should just say blockchain, all the things. Right. But OK, DLT provides the basis for the development of cryptocurrencies. Oh, interesting, which could be used as a digital means of payment and support efficient contracting and decentralized settlement, including smart contracts. However, they are subject to significant challenges. In particular, fiat cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin, are subject to significant price volatility, which renders them inadequate as means of payment. This is, by the way, the only time they use Bitcoin in the whole report right here in that sentence. Stablecoins, cryptocurrencies, whose value is backed by a pool of reserve assets have been proposed as a potential solution to this problem. However, the recent failure of the poorly designed stablecoin Terra shows that investor trust in such arrangements can deteriorate quickly and also spill over to other stablecoins. I mean, 
They're just taking all of the bad spin and putting it into one paragraph, right? Moreover, the decentralization of cryptocurrencies comes at the cost of limited scalability and an excessive environmental footprint for consensus mechanisms such as proof of work. This makes them particularly unattractive for retail payment systems, which require a very large throughput. This issue can be addressed by moving away from a fully decentralized model towards a permissioned DLT. So they don't understand it. Permissioned makes it no longer distributed, right? Like anyways, where only specific network nodes can update the ledger. Facebook's Libra proposal in particular in this revision, in its revised version is a particular example in this direction. Okay, going on to the next one. I think this is my last, yeah, this is the last quote here. So... Let's continue. Uh, this, this is kind of the, the whole summary where I think is the big reveal in this report. So while many central banks are actively engaged in researching the potential of CBDCs, they have thus, they have thus far only been launched in two countries, namely the Bahamas and Nigeria. At the same time, some prominent policymakers have voiced concerns that the CBDC is, quote, a solution in search of a problem, end quote. And guess who said something like that? The Fed, Powell and Quarles, the old vice chair of the Fed. Anyway, while survey data shows that central bankers view a CBDC introduction as an increasingly realistic scenario, it is natural to ask whether some key objectives could be reached through alternative approaches. So uh, just to break that down real quick is the, the, a survey showed that central bankers say that a CBDC introduction is likely or increasingly likely, but not that it's increasingly a good idea. It's just increasingly likely. They think that the ECB is going to push them that in that direction. Okay. There is no regulatory alternative that promises to eliminate the threat that to the two-layer monetary system. Since cash is only available in physical form, it is by construction not fit for the digital age. Regulations that aim at maintaining its large-scale use are likely to imply large economic costs without clear benefits. According, accordingly, the introduction of digital cash in the form of a CBDC appears to be the only solution to guarantee a smooth continuation of the current monetary system. So they're saying that without a CBDC, the current monetary system is going to fail. Back to you, Christian. What do you got? <sighs> Man, <laughs> I mean... Pretty much without Bitcoin, the current monetary system is going to fail. I would say that that's for sure. Like if you have to like what's more interoperable with the current monetary system, Bitcoin or gold? It's Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin really is the only thing that could like save any of this infrastructure that's kind of gotten built up in the last like 40, 50 years. So it's really the bank's only solution. It's really only the, the neobanks, only real competitive solution. And it's the only solution that is actually going to get, uh, you know, electronic money technology into every person that has a cell phone's hands. So it's Bitcoin, not CBDCs, just like it was Bitcoin, not DLTs, just like it was Bitcoin, not blockchain. And frankly, just like all of those things never shipped. The only things that actually shipped were shit coins and it's still Bitcoin, not shit coins. I think and Ansel thinks like these CBDCs will never actually meet mass market usage. 
Like, I don't think these central banks with their forward guidance are going to get anyone to use this stuff. So we'll see what China can do. But I, my position remains that despite what the blogs say, despite what this research says, despite what these reports say, that CBDCs will not actually ship and that by the time they like, you know, reportedly will ship, you know, the ECB is like saying by the end of the, you know, 2025, 2030, stuff like that. Like, where is Bitcoin going to be? Like, Bitcoin's only only 13 years old, guys. Like, it's a baby. So let's, you know, let's take, I guess it's, it's going on to 14 years old. But, you know, where's Bitcoin going to be when it's 20, 25 years old, Right. That's when you're eventually going to shift your CBDC. So where's Bitcoin going to be? So I think I think Bitcoin's going to be dominant. I think I think no one's going to be even talking about CBDCs. So I really, you know, it's a whole bunch of nothing. Their systems are failing. Bitcoin is the only life raft, and uh, you know we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean China with, with all of their you know authorita- authoritarian apparatus and control over the economy, they still have not been able to launch their CBDC, even though they've been in a pilot program for a couple years. Also, they mentioned in there the two that have launched, Bahamas and Nigeria, and I wanted to show a quick chart of the Nigerian currency here. So, Chris, is we the got last... a hard stop in four in four minutes, but four yeah, minutes. let's okay. see it. So this is Nigeria currency against the dollar. And you can see over the last year, it's it's really been diving. I mean, overall, it's only about 5, 5% down. But at the top here in the title, I put, it's, what's, how do you pronounce it? The Naria, E-Naria. I think their, their CBDC, the E-Naria, has had 4 billion in transaction value, 4 billion Naria, which equates to about 9.5 million since October, $9.5 million. So that's about a million dollars a month. That's what they're doing with this CBDC. Nobody wants it. Even in Nigeria, where there's a lot of unbanked people that need this type of stuff, there is no uptake for these CBDCs. There was no uptake. They had to pay people in China to do the pilot program. You know, I couldn't even find any numbers for the Bahama sand dollar, which is their CBDC. So that, I mean, like you said, if they do launch, no one's going to even, there's going to be no uptake. There's going to be no adoption. People would rather hold Tether, right? They'd rather hold Bitcoin. Yeah. They'd rather hold dollars. And they are. <laughs> and they are. Yep. They are. Yep. You know, Kenya, Nigeria, these are our Bitcoin hotbeds. Okay. So in the yep. land of CBDCs, Bitcoin is dominating. I'm just saying the obvious. That's going to continue. Yep. All right. All right we man. got a hard time. Let's wrap minutes. it up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Y'all, you can follow me at CK underscore Snarks. I've been dropping my rants on Twitter a little bit more frequently these days. Make sure to go check out everything we're doing. Go meet Ansel and I in person September 10th at BitcoinDay.io in Nashville. Go to Bitcoin Amsterdam. That is October 12th through the 14th. That is going to be absolutely, absolutely special. I cannot wait to be there. Go subscribe to the Bitcoin Magazine are the Bitcoin magazine in print edition, get your annual subscription, save on your subscription, collect Bitcoin history. Ansel, I'll hand it back to you. Yeah, thanks for joining, guys. Remember to reset your calendars to Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. FedWatch will be live, and I want to get up to at least 500 
concurrent live viewers. Push the like button. That's it, guys. Thank you. Subscribe to the channel. Q says to subscribe. All right. See you later. Stack some sats. Peace. What is up, audio listeners? Thank you for enjoying another episode of FedWatch. Down in the show notes, you will find all the appropriate links to our social media, the original version of this podcast, and community links. Also, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com, where I put out a free weekly newsletter every Friday. And there you can also help support the show by signing up to become a paid member. See you next time. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. We're going back to Miami for Bitcoin 2023. Lock in your tickets before prices go up. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets today. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.